Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I want to begin a series today called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in fact, uh, uh, I want to show you a picture of this book cover. And I would encourage you to buy this book. The sermons that we're going to be going through are going to be following the chapters. So I'm going to start today with chapter one. And I believe that this will be a great tool as you pray and fast with us. And we're going to talk about Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. And uh, I, I want to introduce this idea with a question. Have you ever seen something that looked really beautiful, strong, healthy on the outside, but when you saw the interior life of it, it was not good, it was not beautiful, it was not strong, healthy on the outside, but really bad on the inside, so it appeared. Well, I just went on a Christmas break in Kansas, did a lot of Midwest amazing things on a farm, played with tractors. My wife comes from a very rural area of the country. And I come back to Seattle after enjoying the 70-degree weather of the Midwest. First of all, I've lived in Seattle about five years now. And people told us that the weather was going to be more moderate and temperate compared to the Midwest. That has not been my experience so far. I mean, I go to the Midwest, it's 70 degrees. There's no jackets, there's no snow, and there's a snowpocalypse here when I come back, right? And this was after we had 120 degree weather during the summertime when it was not nearly that hot. So I come back, the roads are icy and snowy to the point I literally couldn't open up my door to my car. It was so iced over. I go into my driveway, I see this beautiful white snow, so impressive. And uh, I start up my Honda Element that had been sitting in my driveway for almost two weeks now, just to make sure that the battery wasn't drained, it still had life in it so I could use it when I needed to go somewhere. I turn it on and I hear a vroom. It is so loud, and I start to smell fumes. I'm like, what is going on? Well, this must be the snow impacting my car, and I don't buy that. So I look under the engine of the car, and someone had stolen my catalytic converter. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, Betty White. All right? And so I I look under there, it's stolen. Apparently, you can sell these things for a lot of money because they have rare minerals and materials in it, and uh, don't get any ideas. Come on, New Year. (laughs) It's stolen. So I'm driving around. I take my son to a donut shop. Literally, when I start the engine, I'm not exaggerating. My engine is so loud that a guy jumped (laughs) next to me. Every time I drive through a neighborhood, all eyes on me. I got the attention I finally have desired my whole life. It, it's crazy. So my, my car looked great on the outside, but when you actually get in the vehicle, you realize things aren't as good as they should be. I smell fumes. I hear loud noises. The engine is not working as it properly should. And this is why we want to start this year talking about emotionally healthy spirituality. Because many of us, we can look good on the outside spiritually in the church. But when we 
really examine our hearts, the engines of our lives is filled with toxins and fumes and loud noises where we really can't hear the voice of God in our hearts. And I'm reminded of this scripture where Jesus says some pretty intense things in Matthew chapter 23. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You can be beautiful on the outside, but filled with death on the inside. And this term, whitewashed tombs, is something that the early audience would have been very familiar with. Back in the time where Jesus is speaking, they were following the Jewish law. And if you touched uh, an unclean place, a place filled with death like a tomb, you would have to quarantine for about seven days and have to go through a cleansing ritual where you would involve the ashes of a red heifer to really make yourself clean again. You weren't in sin, but there was a process of becoming clean. And he says to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, you are practicing your righteousness. You're saying all the right things. You're doing all the right actions. But on the inside, you are filled with death. Back in this time, I, I want to show you a picture of what a tomb would look like. And it would be in the countryside, oftentimes built into hills. You might be familiar with even the tomb pictures of where Jesus was buried. And they said, roll away the stone. And the thing about this is, if you are going to a Jewish festival, if you are in a new area of the city, you wouldn't always realize you were around a graveyard. And so you would accidentally touch a tomb. And then you would become unclean, and it would be really inconvenient. You'd have to go through the cleansing process. It's kind of like when you get one of those texts on your phone that says, someone near you has been exposed to COVID-19. You're like, well, that's inconvenient. <laughs> and you're looking at people and suspecting them. Could it be you? Could it be you? Could it be you? And so to prevent this kind of quarantine, they would wash these tombs with lime and powdered chalk and water so that they would become bright whites, and sometimes they would paint beautiful murals on it to let people know there is death here. Don't come here, because if you touch this tomb, you're going to be ceremonially unclean. And so he is saying a very strong statement to these religious leaders. When people come close to you, they become unclean. And you are like a whitewashed tomb that is screaming, beware, death is here. In this new year, pastorally, I want to make sure that as we start resolutions, as we try to become our new me's, and we try to put our best foot forward, and we're getting gym memberships, and we're making these commitments, and we're going on diets, I, I want to make sure that we are emotionally healthy on the inside and not just whitewashed on the outside. Even me as a pastor, one of my biggest fears is the day of my moral failure. 
Because I see a lot of great pastors and preachers who have huge churches, marvelous buildings, a lot of influence, and then you find out about another moral scandal. You find out about another abuse. You find out about another situation. Because we are often tempted to focus on our role while neglecting our soul. And we're whitewashed on the outside. We know how to say the right things. We know how to lift up our hands and worship. We have a perfect church attendance. We're reading our Bibles, but yet on the inside, we're dead. And everybody who's exposed to us becomes more dead as well and unclean. You know, there's this reality of a a false self. And this book talks about the false self. The false self is this image of ourselves that we project to others. The personality we project to God and others to impress, survive, avoid exposure, or get away. And this is another way of saying washing our outside while ignoring our inside. Many of us, from these last years, we've been wounded in ways we've experienced traumas. And my, my warning to all of us today is that when, when you don't take care of your wounds you're going to bleed on people who never hurt you. When you don't really transform your pain, you end up transmitting your pain to the people around you, causing them to go through pain. And I don't want to pass that on to my family. I don't want to take that trash with me to this next year. And so I I want to show you a picture of this book again from the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the, the image they use in this book is this picture of the iceberg. You know, an iceberg is dangerous, it can sink boats, it can be in the way, it's also very beautiful. And what we usually see is the 10% of the iceberg above the water. But the majority of the iceberg is below the water, it's hidden. 90% typically is underwater. And a lot of our spiritual lives is focused on the exterior 10% surface level of our lives. And many of us, we ignore the 90%. We ignore it. We cover up stuff. We find coping, and we find these outward practices, and we are not healthy from the inside out. And Jesus acknowledges this in the scripture. And so as we begin this journey of the book, I kind of want to bring some definitions to us on what is emotionally healthy spirituality, what are some signs that we are experiencing unhealth so that we can begin the process of becoming healthy from the inside out. I want to share this as shared by Jesus, but the gospel is about life transformation, not behavior modification. Let me say that again. The gospel is not about life transformation. The gospel is about life transformation, not behavior modification. You know, in the, in the Midwest, any Midwesterners in the house of God today? In the, in the Midwest, I grew up with this phrase. It says, you, you can't polish a turd. Can I say that in church? Who's heard that before? Is it just me? You, you can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter. Anybody done that? Don't answer. All right. Kira, Kira, don't answer. And, and the whole idea is like, a turd is a turd. Quote me on that. Quote me on that, please. And, and, and you, can, you can get it to practice the ways of Jesus. You can get it to go through a growth track. You can get it to do all these modifications to its lifestyle, but at the end of the day, the turd is still a turd. 
And so the gospel isn't about us, like, in our works, willpower in our way to having a perfect relationship with God, willpower in our way to experience salvation. It's about receiving the grace of God to experience life transformation, a changed heart, becoming new creations by the, the power of the gospel. And I, I don't know. I think sometimes we do a disservice in the church when we, we say, like, just practice these spiritual principles and you will be okay, right? Just go through this program, just read this book, just have these habits and you will be okay. Because the act of salvation, the act of us living with God is a supernatural experience. We need God to follow God. Can I get a good amen? We need Jesus to follow Jesus. It's by grace alone that we are saved. And I, I think one of the reasons we ignore this is because it's, it's easier to work on our works than it is to work on our heart. Throughout, throughout the scriptures, Jesus is saying, hey, you have, you have heard this. If you, if you kill someone, you are guilty of murder. And we're like, yes, that's amen. But Jesus makes it even harder. He says, hey, I say this to you. If you even look at someone with anger and murder in your heart, you are guilty of committing murder, right? That's a lot hard. It's not just about our performance. It's not just about our actions and our behavior. He brings it to the level of the heart. He says things like, hey, if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, that is the same as committing adultery. And so it's not just cheating on your spouse, it's even looking at someone and cheating internally with your heart. So God is constantly in the scriptures exposing the state of our hearts so that we don't just become beautiful on the outside like whitewashed tombs. You know, I've met a lot of Christians who are able to read the Bible, able to quote scriptures. They know the scriptures, but they don't know themselves. They read the Bible, but they don't let the Bible read them. And it's a dangerous path. You know, I, I was pastoring at another church a few years ago, and there's this man who would approach me after every single sermon. And you say, hey, when you said this theology, it was wrong. When you pronounced this biblical name, that was wrong. And he would call me out constantly immediately after preaching a sermon, which is the most insecure moment of my life. Right after you preach a sermon or give a public presentation, that is not the time to criticize me. Wait till Monday, please, by the grace of God. Wait until Monday. And every week he would do it. Hey, I noticed that you called that the message translation of the Bible. Well, I'll have you know, it's actually a paraphrase. I'm like, I know. I'm just not, I'm not trying to get into all the semantics of all this stuff. Well, hey, you're taking that Bible verse out of context. Oh, right, well, actually, you're taking my sermon out of context. Like, let me explain this whole thing. And I admit I can be wrong and things like that. But the spirit of him was accusatory. He knew the scriptures. He knew how we're supposed to operate in church. And I found out he wasn't just calling me out. But he was calling out so many people in the church consistently to the point where people did not feel safe around him. He's an emotionally unsafe person to be around. Isn't that interesting? And isn't that a commentary on our public reputation as the church? 
People know we like Jesus and love Jesus. People know we go to church. People know that we're passionate about the scriptures. But I feel like emotionally, people experience something very unsafe about us at times. When we're mean or judgmental or we take responsibility for changing other people's lives. But God isn't trying to get us to just enter into behavior modification. He is bringing us into a romance, a life invitation to give him our hearts and to experience hearts of stone becoming hearts of flesh. And my fear is that many of us, we would know the right ways to act Christian, but internally our hearts would be far from God. Internally, we would be emotionally unsafe. I, my, one of my biggest fears is that the people in church life would respect me, but the people in my home life would not. Because it's easy for 30 minutes to put on a show and put forth this false self of spiritual superiority. But the people in your home and your lives, they see the real you. They see what's going on internally, below the surface. And if we're to ask that question, do the people closest to you think you are emotionally and spiritually healthy? Would they find that your lifestyle is respectable, is loving, is holistic? Or would they say, wow, these people are a lot different in public than they are in private? And that's a convicting question, and that's why we're asking it at the beginning of the year. I read this quote in the book, and it's someone who went through the book, and they, they realized that they had not been going very deep in their faith. They had been very surface level for most of their life. They said it like this, I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I just kept doing the same things over and over and over again. Have you ever felt that way? If so, I invite you to go deeper with us on this journey of emotional, healthy spirituality. I like this quote from Pete Scazzera, the author of the book. He says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And I, I grew up in an era of the church where it wasn't popular to talk about your emotions. It wasn't popular or even encouraged to receive counseling or therapy. And then I, I saw pastors who looked great on the outside, but when you dealt with them internally, you noticed a lot of emotional unhealth, coping skills, stonewalling, outbursts of anger, not being able to identify their feeling, having dissociation of their feelings when tragedies or painful things would happen. I remember when Amritha and I, we went through a pregnancy, and it ended up in a miscarriage, and a pastor approached us and said, I was waiting to see how you would handle this. I didn't want to comfort you because I, I didn't want you to acknowledge your sadness and just depend on God. And I was like, What? That is not very pastoral. That is not okay. I was waiting to see, this is a pastor speaking. I was waiting to see how you would handle the death of your first child and if you would allow your emotions to come to the surface. 
And this is very dangerous territory to live in. Because when you suppress your emotions, you're going to find out they're going to leak out at very uncomfortable times. You know, I, I have been in moments of my life where I've preached sermons. People gave their lives to Jesus. People are lifting up their hands in worship. But then I go home and I yell at my family members. Have you ever been that way? It's like, what just happened? I had this, I see spouses looking at each other. <laughs> You're like, I just had this high top moment. It's because it's easy to be a whitewashed tomb. But I am calling us as a pastor who is caring about the condition of your soul. We cannot just be whitewashed. We need to be bloodwashed by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who cleanses us from the inside out. There are times where there's explosion of anger, whether it's in driving, whether it's in arguments. I remember I went to a ministry service, and then I had a conversation with my mom, and I ended up yelling for like 35 minutes, and all of the issues of my childhood and my problems and my coping skills and my, my pain just, just burst out, and it was not planned. And that, that's why we got to work on the wounds of our soul because we'll end up bleeding on people who have something to do with it and people who have nothing to do with it. Our emotional health is linked to our spiritual health. If you are not emotionally healthy, you are not spiritually healthy. And that's why Jesus, he brings it to the heart level all the time. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, the chambers of our heart, the treasury of our heart belongs to him, and he cares about you. He doesn't want you to just be a mindless robot that practices the ways of Jesus without encountering the heart of Jesus. And it can be possible to put our faith in a program instead of the Prince of Peace. You know, David was called a man after God's own heart, and he wrote many of the Psalms. And when I, when I think about the Psalms, we see some very honest conversations. He expresses uh, a desire to end his life. He writes about murdering people and betraying people. He's very honest. He doesn't suppress these emotions, and then the scripture calls him a man after God's own heart. Are you in touch with your emotions? Do you know when you're angry? Do you know when you're sad? Do you know when you're fearful? Do you know when you're lonely? Do you know that some of the addictions maybe you're facing are because you're trying to cope with the inner pain? When you don't deal with your emotional health, it's going to come out in an addiction to a drug. You're going to mask that. An addiction to pornography. You're going to try to cover and distract that. You're going to seek relationships, codependency. I see this all the time. We've seen this in many of our families. People who are not aware of what's going on in their hearts. People who can quote the scriptures, they know the scriptures, but not themselves. You know, emotions, they're not, they're not the guide of our lives, but they are a gauge. Emotions are like the check engine light of our heart. Do you guys have a check engine light in your car? Is it currently on right now? I'm at the point where I'm so used to the check engine light being on my car, I get concerned when it turns off. <laughs> Anybody with me? I'm like, this isn't good. 
And when we have these outbursts of anger or joy or fear, it's like our emotions are trying to communicate something to us. Hey, you're wanting to go in this direction because you're actually experiencing fear or you're experiencing sadness or you're experiencing grief right now and you're trying to deal with these emotions. And that's why the gospel is not just behavior modification. It's transforming our entire lives because our emotions are part of our lives. And I think we need to, in this series, pay attention to the check engine light of our hearts. And so what are some signs that you are experiencing unhealth, that you are emotionally unhealthy? Well, this is from the book. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to list them. It says, using God to run from God. Sometimes we can hide behind ministry to run away from God. Ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Not acknowledging what's going on with us. Dying to the wrong things. Yes, we're called to die to ourselves, but we also experience life and life abundantly. God wants us to have a joy, a peace that surpasses understanding. And sometimes we can die to the wrong things. Denying the past impact on the present. Many of you have experienced some painful realities in your upbringing, in your life, maybe job experiences, maybe in church life maybe in your, your relationships, maybe in dating. You've experienced things, and to deny the fact that it's impacting you today is just, it's not right. Dividing our lives into sacred and secular compartments. This is church me, this is work me. Doing for God instead of being with God. We're called to be human beings, not human doings. Spiritualizing away conflict. Covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. Living without limits. Judging other people's spiritual journey. Do you resonate with some of these? If so, I encourage you to buy this book and walk through this journey with us over the following weeks. And I believe it will be a blessing to us. You know, 2020 and 2021 for many of us was so traumatic. And for me, the, the check engine light of my heart was blinking constantly. More than that, the catalytic converter of my, my heart was missing. There were toxins that were invading every single part of my life. The engine of my, my heart was just blaring so loud that it was hard to hear the voice of God. Many of you know my, my son was diagnosed with uh, autism our first year of church planting and we were able to figure out new rhythms and patterns it was it was so difficult because we saw our son lose language and skills and eye contact and gain violence and aggressive behaviors things like that and then the last years we we discovered that our our daughter was diagnosed with autism too and the thing is with with autism girls often don't get diagnosed. And so we thought, okay, we're going to have the, the kind of relationship we always dreamed of, a back-and-forth conversation, a child we can play catch with. And then she was diagnosed with autism, and honestly, I just emotionally blacked out. I just was so done with life. I was done with wanting to be a pastor. I was done with wanting to be a father. I was done with wanting to be a, a husband. I didn't want anything to do with it. I was just, I was numb. 
and I was just trying to distract myself with ministry. I was trying to distract myself with binge-watching shows. Maybe you've developed some coping mechanisms over these last few years just so you don't have to pay attention to your emotions. And so, I mean, I, I have talked to pastors, board members for this church, like, should I, like, take a sabbatical? Should this be done with? And they said, no, we're going to go through this process with you. Pastor Pradeepan, we believe that God's not done with you, and we don't want you to isolate yourself. We don't want you to just check out and think that you can take care of this by yourself. It's not just self-care. You need God care. You need church care. You need other care. You need community care. You need Holy Spirit care. And we want to we give you the resources. And so for the past two years, I've been in therapy about six times a month. I go there for weekly counseling, and then Amritha and I are getting marriage counseling every single week. And it's caused me to realize, like, autism wasn't the biggest problem in my life. It just, it exposed me. It changed my patterns and my, my habits, and I had to deal with some of the issues of my childhood. I had to take seriously some of the, the habits I had developed, the ways I, I could hide from God in the name of God. I had to learn how to really write out my emotions and journal, and I, I'm just so thankful for, for these last years. Yes, it, it was so difficult, but I've learned a lot about the grace and mercy of God. I've learned that in my weakness, I can be strong through faith in Jesus. I've discovered parts of my, my need for God that I didn't even know were there before. And I, I'm not praying that you go through something like that, but I do pray that the Lord would reveal to you who you are, what you're experiencing, what you're going through, the pain you've experienced, and that we wouldn't just ignore it as the church. We don't have to faith it to make it. We can acknowledge our pain and still step into God. He is a healer, and he wants to heal us because we're sick, and he will heal us from the inside out, not just the outside on Sunday mornings. He's not just going to allow us to live as whitewashed tombs. Our pain can lead us to the cross. And on the other side of the cross is resurrection. And we follow a Jesus who said in his moments of darkness and despair, my soul is filled with sorrow to the point of death. And we serve a Jesus who described himself as a man of sorrows. And yet he had hope and faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And in your pain, in your emotional unhealth, I want to let you know God has joy set before you. And as you endure this cross right now in this season, it is not the end of the story. Resurrection is. And so we will go through the process of not just walking through the valley of the shadow of death and then turning around. No, we're going to walk all the way through it and believe that our God is with us, he will heal us, and he will work out all things for his good. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this, this moment of discovering our hearts, 
discovering that you wanted to be seated in the chamber of our hearts, discovering that you want to transform us from the inside up, discovering that you don't just care about one part of us, you care about all of us. You want us to be able to to worship you with all of our heart, mind, soul, spirit, strength, emotional intelligence, our intellect, our, our lifestyles, our families, our work. And so, Lord, help us on this journey of discovering how to be emotionally healthy. Give us grace and peace, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.